0: Before I get into the message, I'd like my uh, children to come up here and to recite uh, Luke's account of Christ's birth to get us uh, in Bethlehem, our minds back in Bethlehem. And if anybody needs some notes, Mr. Bogner is offering to uh, hand them out. So if you need a note sheet and you didn't get one, just put your hand up and Mr. Bogner would be happy to give you one of those. But kids, come on up here and uh, give us the uh, the story of Christ's birth from Luke.
1: Luke 2, 1 through 16. 16. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To, to be taxed with Mary is a spouse's wife, best being great, great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and lapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe, captain swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away unto heaven, The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger.
0: Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we uh, have named them, all start a little bit differently. For example, Mark opens his gospel with the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry when he was heralded and baptized by John the Baptist. Luke starts his gospel with the, with the events concerning the birth of John the Baptist, and then he continues on into the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew starts his gospel with the genealogy of Christ, tracing his lineage from Abraham all the way to Joseph, after which he gives an account of the events leading up to Jesus' birth. And John starts his gospel by peering deep into eternity past to glimpse Christ as he was before time ever began. And that's where we're going to be this morning, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, if you'd like to follow along with me, I'm going to read uh, the first 18 verses, and then we'll zero in on a particular verse. But John chapter 1 "...which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This was he, of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses... But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. You might think, well, that's a nice passage, Pastor, but that's not a Christmas passage. There's no Christmas story in the book of John, and in a way you would be right. There's no heralding angels, there's no shepherds, there's no wise men, there's no Bethlehem star, there's no manger scene in the book of John, but the advent of Christ is there all the same. John proclaims the origin of Christmas in one simple verse, and that's verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There, in that manger, visited by shepherds, was the Word, the light, the Christ. And this morning we will take verse 14 and we'll use it as our road map as we discover just who that baby really was and what His birth truly meant. So notice first of all there in your notes His identity. His identity. John says in verse 14, and the Word. Who is the Word in John chapter 1? Well, he is, uh, according to Scripture, the pre-existent Christ. He's the pre-existent Christ. He starts out there in verse 1 saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. The word beginning there, it's not a specific date or time. It's it's far more ambiguous than that. And John, through the Holy Spirit, is describing an eternal existence. In the beginning was the Word. Far before time began, far before the universe was created, far into eternity past, the Word was. He existed. He has always existed. In all of eternity, the word was and has been and will continue to be. John 8:58 says, "Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am." He is the preexistent Christ. Verse two of John 1 says, "The same was in the beginning with God. He was with God in the beginning. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is a member of the Godhead. He has been and is from the beginning. He has been and is with God from the beginning. He also, the Bible says, was God from the beginning. This was not an angel. This was not some lesser deity. Not a God, as some would try to teach, but the God from the beginning. The Word existing from all of eternity, with God from all eternity, and He is God for all of eternity. He is the pre-existent Christ. Not only that, in John 1 we find, He is the powerful Creator. He's the powerful Creator. It says in verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Word created all things without exception. There is nothing that exists that He did not make. He made the world. John 1.10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Nothing was made without the Word. If you go to the book of Colossians in chapter 1, you'll discover in verses 16 through 17, it says, for by him, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The planet spins because he keeps it spinning. The sun shines because he set it aflame. The stars burn with just a fraction of his splendor. And the galaxies exist because he told them to exist. Genesis 1.16, it's one of those verses that you read by and all of a sudden it just dawns on you how incredible it is. It says in John 1.16, He made two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to rule the day, The lesser light to rule the night. Oh, and He made the stars also. He is the author of light and life. He created everything. Genesis 2-7 says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He gave life to this world. He planted the tree of life in the garden. He himself is the source of life. He said in John 10, verse 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He is our life. He's the source of all life. And in John, 1 John 5, it says that he gives us eternal life. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son, Jesus Christ. The identity of the Word. He's the preexistent Christ, the powerful Creator. That's far too wonderful to even comprehend, to think about the fact that that little baby, that first Christmas night, was the preexistent powerful Creator. And what's even more incredible is His incarnation. His incarnation. And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. Christmas marks the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. The Word made flesh. And consider what that means. It means that the eternal became human. The eternal became human. That's an incredible and remarkable statement there in your Bible. The Word was made flesh. He was not merely clothed in flesh. He didn't just appear as a man. He did not merely possess a human body. The Word was made flesh. The Holy Spirit planted the Word, Jesus Christ, within the womb of the Virgin Mary. The Word developed there as any human baby would. As I said last week, he went through all three trimesters, And he came into the world the very same way that every single human being has entered the world since Cain and Abel. He was born. He became flesh. He was in every way human. This was not just a king pretending to be a pauper by putting on some dirty clothes. The word became flesh. The eternal became flesh human. Think about what the angel said to the shepherds. Think about just the gravity of this announcement that they would seek Christ Jesus the Lord, the Savior of all people. And when they found him, what would they find? A baby. Blood flowed through his veins. His lungs filled with air. His eyes saw, his fingers touched, his ears heard, his feet walked, and his mouth tasted. He became flesh. And the one whose existence was limitless became flesh and blood. The one who never slumbered nor slept, who needed neither food nor drink, became a tired, hungry, and thirsty man. The word became flesh. The one who existed before time ever began. I think this is the part that blows my mind the most. He existed before time ever began. He's eternal throughout all the ages. That same one aged and grew up. He became flesh. That little baby born on that very first Christmas millennia ago was the Word made flesh. And as if the eternal becoming human isn't remarkable enough, his entrance was in humility. His entrance was in humility. The Word, the preexistent, powerful Creator, made flesh, was born in a stable to a teenage mother, the betrothed wife of a carpenter. The Word made flesh entered the world in obscurity and poverty." This was no accident or coincidence. This was His purpose and His plan from before time began. Isaiah 53, verses 2-3 through say, For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He came in poverty so that we might be made rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. His humanity was wrought with humility. Philippians 2, 5-7 describes the mind of Christ. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because as we've already saw, seen today, He was God and is God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And the Son of God, our Savior, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Consider that phrase, dwelt among us. We've looked at His identity, His incarnation, and now let's ponder His inhabiting. He dwelt among us. His inhabiting. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, the preexistent Christ, the powerful Creator, the Eternal that became human and entered in humility, dwelt among us. Among us, he was and is the Messiah, the Messiah, the promised one that would come. John 1 11 says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was born a Jew that he might be the Messiah of the Jews. He lived as a Jew, he was under the law as a Jew. Galatians 4 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, and Jesus Christ fulfilled every part of the law, every bit of the law. He Himself said in Matthew 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He presented Himself to the nation of Israel, and they rejected their Messiah. He dwelt among them as one of them, And not only did he live among us as the Messiah, but also he lived among us as a man, the man Christ Jesus. If you read the Gospels, you will discover that Jesus was tempted as a man. He knew pain and sorrow, he knew anxiety and hardship. He felt what we feel and feels what we feel. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He came as a man that he might be the perfect and empathetic savior of all men. He came as a suffering servant, the Messiah, the man and the minister to all men. The minister He deserved fanfare. He deserved worship. He deserved recognition and glory and praise. He could have come as a king and a judge, but he came instead as a servant and sacrifice. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He dwelt among us, and we beheld him the Bible says. And what an image He shown forth, his identity, his incarnation, his inhabiting, and also his image. John says in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The word was God and was made flesh, yet he retained his glory the glory of the only begotten Son of God, and He displayed an image of the Father for all to see. As John 1 verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. He is the express image of God. The express image of God. The man Christ Jesus, God's Son, was the exact image image of God it says in Hebrews one verse three who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Christ brought the light of the glory of God into the world second Corinthians four says this in verses three through six it says if our gospel be hid It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh, the very image of God, stepping foot onto this world. Colossians 1.15 says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Christ revealed the character of God the Father to the world in his person. That baby born on that first Christmas day was the express image of God sent to walk among men. As Isaiah 9, 6 prophesied, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Not only is he the express image of the Father, the word is also the exclusive image of the Father. The exclusive image of of the Father. He's the final word, if you will. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. The worlds, rather. The Word was made flesh. Christ Jesus was the ultimate and unsurpassable manifestation of the Father. The Scriptures had revealed the Father, and yet the Scriptures testified of Christ. Jesus said to the religious leaders in John five thirty nine He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. I would have loved to be those two disciples on the road when Jesus appeared to them, and took them from the beginning all the way to the end and testified of himself from the word of God. I would have loved to have been in that Bible study. If you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. John 14, 8 and 9, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? What does this mean? It means, Christian, that there is no greater knowledge of God than to know the person of Jesus Christ. There is no higher revelation than that which is found in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the point that Paul was trying to get across to the church in Philippi. He says in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, Yea, doubtless, I count all things, my pedigree, my upbringing, my accomplishments, all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. In verse 10 he says that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. There is no higher knowledge of God than to know the person of Jesus Christ. There is no experience that can take you farther, no feeling that can get you further. It's knowing the person of Jesus Christ in the Word of God. The preexistent Christ, the powerful Creator, the Eternal that became human, that entered this world in humility, and dwelt among us as the Messiah and man and minister, who is and was the express and exclusive image of God the Father, also brought light and illuminates our hearts. His illuminating in verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ was full of grace and truth. He brought hope and truth into this world on that very first Christmas day. He is the source of life. He's the source of life, as it said back in verse 4 of John 1, "...in Him was life, and the life was the light of all men. He was sent to bring with Him the hope of eternal life." That's the nutshell of the whole Christmas story found in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 20, verse 31 says, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. First John 5, 11 says again, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in His Son. The world was dead in sin and lost in the darkness of it. And verse 5 of John 1 says, and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. But light shined in through the person of Jesus Christ and He brought life where there was death. John 5, Jesus says in verses 24 and 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. He's the source of life, eternal life, to all who will believe. He's also the source of light. He's the source of light. He pierced the darkness with his person. He shined into the hearts of all men. As 2 Corinthians 4 says again, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He does not limit His light to a chosen few. He illuminates all men. Look at John 1, 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. He came to seek and to save, as he said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost, and he promised that he would draw all men to himself. In John 12, verse 32, he says, And I, if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He shines into a dead and sleeping human race and offers them eternal life in Him. Ephesians 5.14 says, Wherefore He saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Yet many have refused that light because they prefer darkness, as John 1 says, and they remain condemned in their sin. John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son uh, Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. This is a verse that I hope everyone understands. There are probably the majority of people that you encounter would say, well, you know, I hope you know, I hope that after I die, God will let me into heaven. And what they don't realize is this, they are condemned already. It's not going to be let's make a deal at the pearly gates. They're not going to receive their condemnation at the pearly gates. They are condemned already because they hath not believed in the only begotten Son of God. Light has already come into the world, and yet many have rejected Him. To those that will receive that light, though, He is the Savior and Lord. The Savior and Lord. It says again in John 1, 11, "...He came into His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him. To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name." That light of Christ transforms you and you're born again. It says in verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Forgiveness from sin, freedom from the penalty of sin, and a forever home in heaven are just perks of knowing the person of Jesus Christ. John 1:16 and 17 says, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law brought bondage, but Christ set us free. The law produced religion, but Christ gave us a relationship. And we that knew only deadness and darkness have been illuminated by His light, and we now walk in newness of life. It's a wondrous hope that shines forth in the person of Jesus Christ, the Word who became flesh, and dwelt among us. As the old song says, my hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. For me he died, for me he lives, and everlasting life and light he freely gives. His grace has planned it all. Tis mine but to believe and recognize his work of love and Christ receive. For me he died, for me he lives. And everlasting life and light He freely gives. John 1.14 says again that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This Christmas, meditate on the fact that your eternal Creator, the author and originator of light and life became a man. He clothed himself in humility. He dwelt among us. And he revealed the Father to us in his person. And he illuminates the hearts of all men. As the prophet said in Isaiah 9-2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. I hope you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that there's light shining in your heart, placed there by the person of Jesus Christ. Because what a marvelous and wonderful, incredible truth that the Word became flesh. Thank God that He sent the light to shine in our hearts and to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, His Son.